Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Celtic Stuff Live with your hosts Justin Poulin and John Dukes. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. He's John. I'm Justin. We're here, and so is Gordon Hayward. Not Marcus Smart on Monday night, getting some much needed rest getting banged and bruised as the season goes on for all of these guys, really. And yet, there they are in sole possession of the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And after beating up on Denver, looking pretty good in terms of all the teams in the NBA right up there at the top. Despite these injuries, great to see Gordon back. Nice to see that starting lineup spread the ball around against Cleveland. Lots of production for every single one of the starters. Pretty effortless, too. And they let themselves get sloppy with Cleveland there several times during that game and totally able to overcome it without really relinquishing control, being able to push it back up to 20-point lead several times. Lots of younger players getting time. And really the story of the night in the Cleveland game is the fact that Grant Williams finally hit a three-pointer. We've been waiting a long time for this, John, and uh, I don't mean to make fun of it because it must have been a really tough go for him mentally to get over that. But boy, was it great to see his teammates getting behind him, really being happy for him that he finally got that monkey off his back. That was huge. I mean, oh, my gosh. It's like the whole you know, roof came off the gym that night, you know, tonight it was, it was, it was awesome to see. I mean, you hit 20, you know, you missed 25 in a row. That's, you know, it's not just like, it's the start of his career, right? This is his, this is, he's going to make a statement entering the league. I mean, you think about this as your little kid, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to show him what I got. And then I'm going to brick 25 in a row. That's tough, man. You know, but I'm glad he got through it. All right, so let's hope this can kind of help him to, you know, maybe not worry about that so much. And then he's doing all the other things right. He's doing all the other things right. I mean, especially for a rookie, it's been noted several times. He's kind of been compared to the Marcus Smart doing the, the dirty work, but a little bit bigger player. And he's strong. And so is Marcus. So I see the comparisons there. Uh, and hopefully he'll just continue to get better as he progresses through this season. And we'll talk a little bit about Daniel Tice, who hit two three-pointers in that game as well. But you and I both thought that this team was going to split games between Miami and Denver. I was thinking probably the Miami game would be the one to lose with Denver as a revenge game at home on deck. That was the one I felt like, yeah, they'll probably get that one, but they'll probably lose one of these. And instead, they go 3-0. and 
really taking care of business. And it does look so effortless, doesn't it? I mean, just there are some games when as long as they're just kind of clicking, it's really amazing to me how smooth it always feels. And they never lack for confidence. There's been a couple of sloppy games along the way, but even their losses have been ones that I felt like had the rug pulled out from under them. Um, I won't forgive the refs in the Clippers game. (laughs) How can you? I mean, that was that was a huge game that really should have gone in their category, and certainly for Patriots fans, uh, all the more reason to be frustrated uh, with officiating, you know, basically tearing away uh, what should be sure wins, uh, you know. But look, you know, it's over and and you move on. But it's all part of the narrative on the way it, to a championship. Yeah, yeah, you know, but. You know, you look at what Milwaukee's going through, and they've won 15 in a row now after we record this tonight, winning again against Orlando. And they're running away with the East, it seems. You know, they're, uh, you know, several games up, uh, you know, and, and at this point, you know, you wonder if this is even going to, you know, if anyone can catch them. But, you know, Boston's two, you know, two and a half games back, I guess. They owe uh, us, though, because we got them. Sure. And we owe Philly, so. But they maybe. haven't really played anybody in this run either. Like the whole uh, Clippers really. thing. I mean, they beat the Clippers without Kawhi, you know, and that's that's something, I guess, you know. So you, you tip your cap to them. But uh, I, I, I certainly would like to see them maybe have to run through Miami and Philly and Toronto and, and really, you know, see what they could do there, play the Lakers. Uh, right now it's, you know, Boston, they're, keep, they're, they're not – uh, I wouldn't. They're certainly not stride for stride for, with the Bucks, but you know this is this, this is becoming a bit effortless. Effortless, and I'm you know so impressed with the way that a game like tonight's where the Celtics have been playing well, the Jays, as we talked about so much on the last show, really uh, rising. The they finished that third quarter yeah. against the Nuggets. Absolutely. Like, did that- we ever tee that up on the last show? Just the total effusive praise for the two of them and talking about why I wanted to see them grow together and really being like, this is a whole new Jalen. And the next thing you know, the next two games after this show aired last week were poignant, poignant statements on that. And now all of a sudden out come the articles, the outpouring of support for Jalen continues to be efficient and even Hayward like you want to talk about can they coexist yeah they can if Hayward keeps shooting seven for ten from the field and letting Jason and, and Jalen continue to do their thing I mean just there's just a level of it's like um okay I don't know anybody's watching the Mandalorian but it just seems like when's baby Yoda gonna really figure it all out you know and like that's you kind of look at these guys and it's so easy for two years with Jason Tatum or, or three years with Jalen Brown and just kind of get frustrated and we're like, okay, when's it going to happen? I want all the goodness now. I want, I want how, I want this, you know, these guys to be fully formed, awesome players. It doesn't work like that, you know, but we are being rewarded right now as Celtics fans for all those times of Jalen driving into the middle of the lane without a clue and turning the ball over or taking a wild shot or, or Jason's pull-ups, you know, from 19 feet. We're being rewarded because they are. They're leveling up. They're figuring out how to be efficient players, how to how to attack a defense, how to, how to work with their teammates. I mean, the playmaking these guys are both putting in right now and, and really creating opportunities for others, the idea that somehow – 
that um, these the thought was going into this season. I'm not sure if they can do it is complete like banana land stuff. Like I cannot believe people are like, well, I don't know if they can create plays for each other. Well, hogwash, dude, these guys are doing it and they're showing that they have the capacity for even so much more than they are doing right now. Uh, I, you know, you can't say enough about this. And now you're adding Gordon Hayward and talking about seamless. Now he comes in and they didn't skip a beat. They didn't skip a beat at all. And yes, it's Cleveland, but I, I really like where the Celtics team's headed. I, I'm so excited, uh, you know, to get to the Christmas games and, and push on to the next year. This is it's so fun, so fun right now to be Celtics fan rooting these guys on. Well, just look at where they have been and, you know, that this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And right now they're on pace for 63, 64 wins. That's amazing, especially because they're dealing. It's amazing. It's crazy, and, yes. It is, and and also because they've been dealing with injuries like they have the last two seasons. I mean, they haven't yeah. avoided injury. Kemba's been out. Smart's been out. Hayward's been out. Uh, I'm not saying that they're that they've been as impactful as the injuries in the last couple of years, but certainly they're barely missing a beat. It's interesting with such a young team that the rotations can be in greater flux than they've ever been, and yet they're on pace for 63, 64 wins. Uh, it has everything to do with the progression of the Jays and the team chemistry. No, I'm not going there. All right, so follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS Fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition full-length locker room interviews and the garden report the roundtable and celtic stuff live so let's talk well, about the big man factor oh do you want to add something before, i just want to i just we need to talk about this just real quick so we we talked about grant williams and making his first three so jalen in the post game told abby chin and the reporters after is that they were calling until he made that three they were calling they're calling Grant Williams around the team Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, I love the bad blood. All oh, the shade. Oh, throw oh, it. Throw that so shade. So good. Yes. They were calling yes. him Ben Simmons. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I, that's going to be so much drama. I love it. I Dude, love it. I can't show. wait for them to run him out of the building. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. You know, they Philly got lucky playing them the first game of the year when they really just didn't quite because they're so much stronger than that game. It was, it, that game was a wake up call, but now they're going to be healthy and they're going to be so on the the passing on this club right now. The ball movement, even when they, like they got a little loosey, uh, I remember early in the first half or midway through the first half. I think they're out on a break. They're really pushing the lead up, feeling pretty good. And then Tatum tries to throw it behind the back, maybe to Carson Edwards in the corner, but kind of throws it behind him. You know, they're they're getting so confident in their ability to do these crazy passes that they're just taking some really nutty ones and getting a little too loose. But after Tatum did that little dump-off pass to Brown the other night for a dunk, and then, man, when he looked at that camera – 
<laughs> oh, that was like I just dunked on LeBron face. Except we're getting the win. Right. Uh, right. Right. It's phenomenal. Yeah, well, All right. Don't, let's, don't, let's not forget the 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 three uh, with and at the buzzer too. I mean, in that look from Tatum. I mean, that was. Oh man, I. Yeah. No, that's yeah, what I'm saying. The three of the oh, buzz. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jalen's no, dunk. The look no, no. Jaylen's I'm dunk. saying the look that Tatum gave the camera yeah. was the kind of look that we would have seen him give the camera after he dunked on LeBron if they were walking away with a win. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Totally. All right. All right. So let's talk about the big man thing. Let's talk about the big man thing because yeah. – you know, one of the reasons you would not have predicted this team to be on pace for 60 wins is because of the loss of Al Horford, and yet they're much more mobile, they're much quicker, and uh, we have a we have a good loyal listener who uh, I think is connected with me on LinkedIn. I get an email every once in a while, but he nails it, and he sent this just before we started recording here, maybe about 15 minutes ago. So we're gonna hit it. Says, do we really need a big name, big man? And you and I have been debating this for the last two years. Then he asked, do we even want one? I know I don't. He says, so why is Tice not the perfect center for the Celtics? Quick, fast, rim runner, good rebounder, boxes out, excellent pick and roll defender, gets back fast on D, can guard small forwards, got sure hands, blocks shots, rarely makes mistakes or turnovers, keeps the ball moving, sets good screens, can hit the three, at least tonight he hit two, and keep the opponent honest. Basically, he's got great fundamentals, and he's solid with a capital S. He does have trouble with much bigger guys in the paint, but how many quality starters is that really in the league across the board? Early subbing or strategic spot starts for guys like Embiid may make sense. There are four excellent scorers on the floor already, and we need a guy that does not score, and more importantly, that the team doesn't need or want to score. Another good playmaker out there with Kemba and Hayward and Smart is wasted talent. Smart's going to finish the games anyway, just need 20 to 25 minutes from our starting center. And though we made fun of him, our friends in L.A. did just fine with a guy like that, though he played power forward in Kurt Rambis. So. Oh. He loses a few oh, oh, oh. Rambus reference, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but, but Sorry, man. <laughs> point well taken, right? It's just absolutely. Yeah. Point very well taken. And, and, and that's how I've been kind of feeling. Uh, not just this year, but last year, uh, you and I definitely did not agree uh, for most of the year on Anthony Davis and, and really trying to go all in on that. And Anthony Davis is a little bit different when you talk about going for a big name, big man. I mean, he is a difference maker. There's no doubt um, a very unique talent in the league, but at the same time, I've just been wanting to watch this team run. I mean, that was my biggest clamor is like, can we please see this team take advantage of its youthful athleticism and get up and down the floor. Kemba seems to be able to do that really well. How many alley-oops have they gone for? And even against guy, even for guys that don't necessarily deserve an alley-oop sometimes, they're still throwing them up there. Like, I love the tempo and pace which with, the, with which this team plays. And one of the concerns for a lot of people in that up-tempo with the offense is they think that the, that the teams won't commit to defense. But, oh, contraire. They're very committed to defense and still playing up-tempo offensively. It's actually probably the reason why they have suffered through some injuries. Yeah, I mean, I think that they've – the ability, the rim running and that – the use of the alley-oop, I think, has, has added a lot to this team and created early on especially, 
you know, the first few games of the season, I thought they were they were looking to test that as as it was a weapon last year they didn't use well at all. I mean, how many different alley oops were thrown over backboards and thrown aside and asunder and blah blah blah. It was horrendous, right? You know what? It was the joker on the team is how the team couldn't throw alley oops this season. First game, they're throwing it up to Tice. They're throwing it up to to, to Rob Williams. I mean, uh, you know, less so to to Cantor, but. You know, he too has been a threat that has drawn the gravity of the defense towards the hoop and opened it up for everybody else. It's that, you know, they don't have that pick and pop threat with Horford, but by pulling the defense into the paint and having to, you know, contend with whatever that is, it doesn't mean that they're at the, those players are at the caliber of Joel Embiid or at the caliber of Joel, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, let's say, but at least that's pulling that, that focus off of where their threats really exist and where the strength of the NBA game here is in 2019 or 2020. It's absolutely on the, on the arc. And so the more you can make that a threat, the better it is for all of where that team's strength is, which is those three wings and Kemba Walker. And it's it, the proof is in pudding. That offense has been humming. And, and I think the more they use that, it's helped. And also I'd add one thing you and I talked about last week. Don't forget, we talked about Tice hitting the three. Tonight against Cleveland – he starts looking again a little bit more, looking for that three ball, two for two. He hit a, he hit some this past weekend uh, against Denver. It's like we talk about it and then they just go do it. Oh. It's like yeah, you know, Follow Brad just watches stuff this. live on Twitter. You're welcome, Brad. <laughs> if you're still listening, Brad. Well, they just you're keep welcome. opening it up, right? They're opening it up. They're just telling everybody that they can do it. And just, again, it comes to that self-confidence. Like, they really believe in themselves. They really believe that they can pull it off, and they're out there just stretching and stretching and stretching beyond their comfort zone to see what they might be capable of. And the sky becomes the limit. And it it does – a lot of it, you know, when you're that much in charge of a game and the flow and things are coming easily – you can take those kinds of risks without it hurting, and it does take a lot of the pressure off. If these games were tightly contested, they'd be in trouble. And then just look at how many slow starts they've gotten off to, and then they wind up winning the game by 20 points. Right. Uh, just just crazy. And, you know, even the big man spot minutes thing, um, that's a really good point. And we didn't, he didn't really throw Cantor in there. But against Denver, a team that's got some size, you know, Cantor had a really nice evening. Uh, you know, limited minutes. I think it was what, like eight points and four rebounds. But they needed some offense, and he gave it to him when they needed it. And he got some offensive rebounds when they needed to sustain, you know, some second chance opportunities too, and 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 just make sure that they secured the rebound. Like very timely kind of play. I don't think we're always going to see a ton of time for Cantor out on the floor but at the same time he he really is a uh useful under the right circumstances uh center with and with the right purpose and he totally plays within his own game and he, and he's definitely giving better defensive effort mm-hmm. uh, than I think you know and we had talked about that before the season started we weren't sure he would wind up being the starting center or not, but if he could just, you know, try to get into the team concept and put the effort out there that he wouldn't be as much of a liability, especially coming off the bench. And that's exactly what we're seeing against the right matchups coming off the bench with a little effort on D. He's just not killing you. He's not. 
Right. And I'd say, I'd say in particular over the last two weeks, his, I think his defensive effort has improved, um, sliding a little bit against Denver. I thought but he was struggling with injuries great. too. He wasn't hundred percent. So was. that, that's part of it all as well. He was, I, I mean, I don't think I, I, I don't think that he's a great defender and, and nor, but never going to be, right. never going to be a great one, but starting from the, from the first of the year until I'd say the last couple of weeks, every time a player, <laughs> an opposing player took him to the basket, they would made the basket. I can't imagine what his, what his, um, you know, defensive, um, numbers were at the rim, but they had to be absolutely, um, disgusting <laughs> not in a good way i mean it felt like every single time i saw someone sh- try to shoot over him it went in um that's happening less so of late so whether that's health whether that's better mechanics or, or you know or, or better fundamentals that are being drilled into him i don't know but but it's working to a greater degree do i still want him out there nope i'm not too excited about it i'd like to see rob williams get more time i'd like to see tice um you know but i think the only way you can the spot minutes thing is important because i don't think you can play tice 35 minutes a night i don't think you can play him maybe even 30 minutes a night with who he is and being a a smaller guy a smaller center i think you have to play him sub 30 every time and so that gives you 18 minutes to try to figure out one way or the other at the very least, uh, and at the very end if, of the game, Grant it's Williams, be smart. Well, and well, right. So, I'd like to, I'd like to hope that Grant Williams can can be a capable fit in those small lineups, like he was against the Knicks. But we have not really seen that that smart lineup because, unfortunately, everyone one guy has been hurt sooner or later. This would be a great time to, you know, maybe now until the first of the year to really work that unit and see what they what they can get out of those guys, uh, because if they can make that work between now and the trade deadline, um, you know, I think maybe that'll quiet you're, some of this. You're thinking no trade. All right, good deal. Absolutely. All right, everybody, football and basketball seasons are in full swing and get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional ball. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. You can even bet on wild prop bets. Who will make the college football playoffs? Who will be the NFL MVP? Get the fastest market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to BetOnline today on your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And ExpressVPN, hey, I live in Pennsylvania, but I love watching the Boston Celtics, which used to be a big pain for me because they don't always show their games in my area. But this season, I discovered an amazing little trick that lets me watch every single NBA game live for a fraction of the normal cost. It's called ExpressVPN, and here's how it works. The NBA offers the NBA League Pass, which lets you stream games online. But if you live in the U.S. or Canada, it doesn't even let you watch all of them. Some games are blacked out, and what do you do? Fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Buy and use the NBA League Pass from there, and boom, 
no blackouts. And depending on the country, NBA League Pass could cost you less than $15 for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router, and console consoles like Fire TV, so you can watch all the games from any device. Even when I'm not watching NBA, I have ExpressVPN on 24-7 because it also encrypts all my data, keeping it safe from hackers. Enjoy all 1,230 games of the NBA season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. And guess what? Use my special link today to get three months free at expressvpn.com slash CSL, after which you can sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash CSL for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash CSL to learn more. All right, John, John, where are we going in the second half of this show, what I think we got to talk about hit here. I, I think we need to talk about where Boston fits. I think we got to talk about. I think we got to talk about the East. I think we got we got we got some big games coming up here. Uh, you know, coming up for the Celtics here the coming week. Uh, you know, they're gonna play. They're gonna play the. the, the obviously, play Cleveland tonight, and then the back to back at Indiana, and then come home to play Philly on uh, the 11th and 12th. I think that is. And then there's a big layoff. So this is this is kind of I think this is an important step. We talked about a little bit about Philly, but I think we got to talk about why is Philly struggled. Like, what is the problem? And, and you're closer to it than I am. Uh, you know, they they obviously had the big win over Cleveland, beat them by like 80 points or something. Uh, they beat Toronto, and they've actually had some good wins, but not not really that strong a schedule. Um, are they figuring it out, or do you think that Philly is maybe just feasting on that, that that weaker schedule, and they really haven't figured anything out at all? This and the still the issues, the same issues still remain. Well, they're eight and two in their last ten, so it's certainly been an improvement. But the issue is on the road: five and seven on the road, twelve and zero at home. That usually is not a sign of a team that hasn't got it figured out. When you have that kind of a a dominating home record, and Boston's ten and zero, and Miami's ten and zero. Obviously, Milwaukee's got the loss; they're eleven and one. But usually when you're holding and protecting home court, it's not as big of a mess as it might feel like. They have the same amount of wins as Boston was 17 at the time we record this, but they have two more losses. So they've had a little bit more of a rigorous pace to their schedule, playing two more games in Boston. Could be some back-to-back, some home and aways. I have to go back and actually look at that schedule to see how that kind of played into it. They're only four games back. I think the biggest thing – is they do have a little bit of new chemistry to deal with, and that whole uh, I've I, that blip in the radar that they really experienced was all around the Carl Anthony Towns bit, you know that that hurt them, you know, and we talked about that on a previous episode, but I feel like that kind of threw them for a loop, even though initially it seemed like Embiid was just really blowing up, you know, his his confidence and his ego and his ability to dominate, you know. He had that one game where he scored zero points. So I think that's the kind of thing that they'll really work it out, and I think they'll figure it out. So I'm, I still, I'd still be concerned. I still would look at them as a top three team in the East. Like I think they're better than Miami for sure. Um, I really think it comes down to Milwaukee and Philly and Boston when you get into the into the postseason. I, I think the rest of them are 
hanging in there. And I think Toronto is a great team, but I'm, even though they did win the championship last year, I'm not sure that they're a, a playoff team. You know, the the troubles that bothered them pre Kawhi could still enter into the equation a little bit this coming year. Um, it just depends, I guess, on how much Lowry wants to carry that team. Still, still, maybe you put them top four. I think Miami's the one that's going to fade a little bit, to be honest with you, John. I think while Philly goes up, I think Miami's headed down. I, I don't think – I think Miami's depth is uh, a strength for them so they can withstand injuries, but they're, they're the type of – the type of depth of what their their yeah their roster is made of uh, is maybe more suspect perhaps uh, you know if if you lose a Ben Simmons it feels like it's pretty simple to see how they fill that role um, you know over the course of 82 games you can see how okay well it means you know a little more from Horford a little more from Tobias. Um, they don't really don't have any playmaking per se but you know that's you can see how they can fill those different pieces in the front court there of their key players with Miami. You know, if you take Jimmy Butler out of the mix, I think that team looks a lot differently. And yeah, he missed early parts of the season um, due to the birth of a child. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think Philly on the basis of their defense alone is going to be a top three team. You know, can they overtake Boston? I'm interested to see because I think you're right. Not if we win the head to heads, that's the right. Rule. Right. So, you know, and I think Boston is going to end up taking I think they win the next three, to be honest with you. I guarantee you a split. But I think Boston could take the next three. As much as Philly has has great defense and and can frustrate Boston, I think they're getting much better at getting more up tempo. I just think they were too slow in game one. And I think once they that passing and that ball movement, yeah. if, they, if they can just not hesitate the split second, that makes Philly's defense so much better against them, and they keep it moving. I think they're really. I think they can. I think they can really. I just want to see them score plus a hundred. I think that they can get a hundred points on the board that they beat Philly. That's how I feel about it. I no. I think I think that's true. They. The first game of the season was pretty rough by all accounts. I mean, there's a lot of missed, For missed both shots offensively. Yeah, nobody looked like themselves. But the team that's 14th in offense is a heck of a lot closer than the team that's 8th in offense uh, to, to what we saw. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, Boston's 4th in defense. You know, Philly's is 4th. Philly's 4th, Boston's 5th. So they both can lock it down, okay, and Boston's a better offensive team. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in that you want the strength of the team behind the perimeter. And as long as Ben Simmons wants to be the type of player he is, the Philadelphia 76ers are never going to be what they could be. That's just end of story. I don't even want to hear any more about it because every time we go through this, even Brett Brown went off the other day talking about how, you know, Ben's got to take one three a game and he's got to be he's got to have eight drives a game. And I think he's absolutely right. Listen to your coach, dude. You know, and the longer he doesn't listen, the better it is for the Celtics. So keep keep not paying paying attention to that. Meanwhile, Al Horford's getting older on a you know thirty million dollars a year, and they have no bench. Now the bench helped them beat Toronto, but 
listen, uh, I'm, I'm, I still like my odds of where Boston's trending up and Philly's got, well, whatever Philly's got. We've well, got two wings who can go out there and score and defend. They got a, a big man who wants to shoot threes and isn't very good at it. Uh, a, a, a point guard who's six, nine, but can't shoot threes and a 34 year old center who is a 34 and guy we love gotta get a lot of love in Boston on Thursday night. But quite frankly, you know, he's, his best days are behind him. So good luck Sixers. Go get them. All right. So we're going to preview the week, I think, in the outtakes then, because I, I, I'm going to tail on to this and just say, isn't it nice to see the Eastern Conference be pretty level with the Western Conference for probably the first time ever? And then you watch players like Kawhi, you know, go over the West Coast and then even Kyrie stays in the East Coast. Kevin Durant comes over, but he's not even playing. Uh, it's really kind of cool. This is the first year we can look at the standings, and we've seen it before where there's been strong teams. We talked about this last year, strong teams in the East at the top, but everything tails off at the five seed. But that's not the case this year. If you put them head-to-head records, you know, one through eight, the dip in where that um, losing record still making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference is the same as the Western Conference. It's pretty leveled out, um, and a lot of that has to do with – really internal development on the East Coast, too. And um, what's great about Toronto is the fact that they lost a guy like Kawhi, and yet they're still competing at a really high level all across the league, despite the fact that they lost that talent, because that's what usually happens, right? Braun goes you know, out to L.A. two years ago, and you're thinking, there we go again, power shifting all the way back over the West, and yet here we are two years later from that, and Kawhi makes the same move after you know being traded to the East to finish a year, and yet all of a sudden it's leveled out. How nice is it to have that balance? Yeah, no, it is, and it's been twenty twenty years probably since the East was on par or or, or better than the West on a on a consistent basis. So uh, it's nice to see. Uh, I, I you know I think that certainly the Clippers and the Lakers are the class of the West for sure. And then there's a there's a gap there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the top is at that level, but certainly we saw the Celtics could play at the Clippers level with all with everything they had. Now maybe they didn't have quite the cohesion between Paul George and and Kawhi, but uh, that was a hell of a game, and we all want to see seven games of that. We certainly don't want to see the Lakers involved at all, but uh, that's a good sign, you know, moving forward. I. Hey, before we jump to the the end here, what are your four? What are your top four? What's your top four in the East? In order, Philly. Oh, in order. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna go Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and I think I'm going Toronto. Then I still I think Toronto is gonna prove out to be better than Miami. Yep, I I, I would agree with that. I'll I would probably put Toronto ahead of Philly though. I think I think they're going to get ahead of them. I, I just I don't trust I don't trust the Sixers. I don't know. They may be a better playoff team than a regular season team, possibly. But uh, I I just and wouldn't wouldn't that be great though if if, if Philly Toronto was the four or five, which is actually as it's set up tonight. If the playoffs started tonight, Philly and Toronto would be in the first round. I would love that. That would be fantastic. And yeah. guess who the Celtics would play as the second seed against the seven. Yes, your 
<laughs> Kyrie led Brooklyn Nets. Oh, <laughs> that would be awesome. And and you know, so Philly Toronto plays the four five. They play Milwaukee in the in the in the second round. Boston moves on. They play Miami. The only problem in the is, is round. Brooklyn is so spunky against us. Like that's actually and yeah. you know yeah, but what a history Bring it. that first round, dude. What oh a God. history of that first round of like potential collapses, difficult, you know, goes all the way. This would happen. The league would make it happen just for the drama. Totally, totally. Yeah. All the drama they could get. Yep, drama. All right, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin, at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in, and remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review, because your feedback is important to the show, and for staff writer... Sammy Elias. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Stop. All right, the predictions are easy because it's – this is a weird point in the schedule. It's two games. We have a Wednesday, Thursday, back-to-back. Right, and it's an away and home, mm-hmm. so away against the Pacers, a short flight back to Boston, really for, for you know, and then they play the 76ers on Thursday, and then they have almost a week off before they play the Mavericks. Like this is the weirdest. I can't remember a time in a season where we've seen that much of a gap in a schedule. Like the point of having a spread out schedule was to reduce the number of back-to-backs. And here we have a back-to-back and then six days off. It doesn't even make any sense to me. Um, I get it. You know, time off is time off. And it'll be they'll be very healthy when they go play the Mavericks, which, you know, will be a good thing for the Celtics club. That Mavs team is is really dangerous. Yeah, the Mavs, the Mavs are, are scary. Luca is on another planet right now. He's just... He's killing it. <laughs> He's killing it every night. I mean, he really is uh, an MVP candidate for sure in his second season. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but the the parallels with Larry are are, are there and they're real. And uh, it's it's exciting for Dallas. I'm glad for Dallas, but uh, yeah, that that'll be a tough one. I mean, I like Boston's chances going in there. But, you know, right now, the, the Mavs are third in the West. <laughs> you know, so this is not like, yeah, they're uh, right, you know, they're, they're fighting right for a there. playoff seed. They're third, man. This is, uh, they're, they're, they're a real team. Here's the nice. Powered by Luka. Their games leading up to the Celtics, they're going to play the Heat on Saturday, Sunday off, Monday against the Bucks. Tuesday off, Wednesday against the Celtics, and the Celtics will have six days off. Ordinarily, having that kind of a break would scare me with the Celtics because it tends to lead to a little bit of a letdown. I don't think it's in this club. I I think they're going to be practicing. I think the younger players are going to be better. I think Brad probably is going to take a huge amount advantage of that six days of rest and really make sure that this team gets a lot of benefits in the gym and uh, working on more expansions to their game might be a couple of tricks against the Mavericks when they when they show up for that Wednesday game. But having said that, 
that we could talk about next week <laughs> because all we've got is two games. We got Wednesday, Thursday, and a big break. So, what do you? I already said I basically am predicting Philly is going to be a win. Indiana's still a scrappy team in the East, you know, kind of middling in the playoff hunt. Um, and it is an away game after one night off, but I think they're going to go two and zero. I really do, and I and I actually think that Smart comes back. But they try to kind of spread the minutes the same way. One of the nice things about the Cleveland game is they did bring in a lot of the bench players. Minutes were limited. I think they're going to be trying to go for the same thing against Indiana, although Indiana will be a much tougher opponent. I think they're still going to go deep in the bench because I think they want to bring the pain to Philly. Yeah, I also am going to go 2-0. Boston is the only one that has the the back-to-back. Indiana has a night off before they play Boston. And then Philly has the night off before they they go to Boston. But uh, both teams have tough weeks. Uh, You know, Philly plays Denver. Uh, Indiana plays – oh, I just had this up. Shoot. They play the Clippers <laughs> uh, tonight. So um, as we're recording this, so uh, I, we don't, I don't have the score up right here, but it, nevertheless, um, that's uh, you know that's going to be something that's uh, it, it's a difficult match, and and that that's going to be taxing to have so many tough games back to back. So um, not or not actually back to back, but Clippers just the beat the city. Pacers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just saw. Okay. So by eleven. So although Sabonis had a heck of a game, but so did Paul George. Thank yeah. you to my my fantasy team because he's there. You on go. It. Good. Good. Well, you know, and that's the you know I look at this as a as a chance really for it's a measuring stick game. Uh, you know, the Clippers. Or I should say the 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 the, uh, the Pacers are in a in a position where you know obviously they're they've over overdone what they perhaps have as as a roster without Oladipo and it, with his you know eventual return they're kind of that next tier down below. Will his return bring them back so you know they're scrappy they're tough but uh i like boston's chances to go to indiana and i think even more so i like boston's chances to beat philly in boston i think there's going to be a lot of love for al horford that night uh but if boston can get out early against indiana and kind of win that game on the road rest a little bit and come back home. I think the fans are going to be are going to be fired up for that one. They'll season. get charged. Yeah, they're you're not there'll be no letdown against Philly at home coming off that Indiana game whatsoever. All right. So John, what do you tell them? What do you tell them? Oh, what are we telling for everyone listening right now? Yeah. Who, yeah, because other podcasts will will apologize to you for going long. There's we don't something. do that here. We there's don't do that something. here because we know you love listening to what we have to say or at least tolerate it enough to say, you know, like, listen, subscribe. But I'm for those of you still listening, for, for those you still listening right now, as I'm saying this, um, uh, you're welcome. You know what's awesome? <laughs> what I love about this is we get tweets every day, next day and yes. they're like, you're welcome. I'm still listening. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You guys, thank you. <laughs> thank you for uh, letting this be our little cult thing. You're still right. listening. Say it again, John. Say it again. Say it again. You're welcome. <laughs>